DEI budgets are under attack, but the goals haven't changed. Whether you're looking to increase your DEI knowledge, expand your market reach, or gain a competitive advantage in business, we have the solution. TDM Library is your single source for expert curated DEI resources, strategies, and solutions, all designed to help you transform your workplace culture and be a more effective contributor. For $9.99 per month, you get access to our searchable subscription-based digital library. There, you'll find articles, practical how-to guidebooks, podcasts, award-winning micro-videos, and more than 700 Q&As designed to help DEI practitioners, thought leaders, and executives create a more inclusive workplace. Whether you prefer to listen, watch, or read, we have the resources for you. TDM Library goes beyond the basics to dive deep into topics such as inclusive language, the business case for DEI, talent acquisition, and C-suite engagement. For less than the price of a sandwich, you get access to our library of more than a thousand pieces of original expert curated DEI content. Join today and get your first 30 days free. Get your library card now at tdmlibrary.thediversitymovement.com. Hey everyone, before we get to DT's interview with Capital Broadcasting's Adam Klein, I want to let you know about a webinar next week from the diversity movement. Given that we're moving past the election results, possibly, hopefully, it's time to turn our attention to coming together as a country. And that's just in time for the holidays and getting together with extended family. So the webinar is called Holiday Headaches, dealing with relatives who just don't get it. And it's November 19th at 12 p.m. Eastern. We all have those relatives we disagree with. So how can we have civil and respectful conversations? No matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, I'm sure we could all use some advice. So head on over to thediversitymovement.com slash holiday dash headaches and register for this free webinar. All right, let's get to the Donald Thompson podcast with Adam Klein. You can't stop me. Nothing's gonna stand in my way. Welcome to the Donald Thompson podcast. Today, my guest is Adam Klein. He is the general manager for American Underground and Director of Strategy for Capital Broadcast Systems. Adam, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Great to be with you. So Adam, you and I have been friends for a long time, but the the years haven't been friendly for us keeping up. We've been <laughs> right. for each other on, on LinkedIn and, and liking each other's stuff. What I'd like you to do is introduce yourself a little bit and talk about your roles so that the audience just has a perspective on what you do and why, and then ease in just a little bit personal. Married, sure. single kids, no kids, and then we'll dive into some, some items. Awesome. Sounds great. So I'm Adam Klein. I work for the American Underground, which is a startup space and an incubator for early stage companies in Durham. I also wear the other hat of director of strategy, as you said, for Capital Broadcasting Company, the NBC and Fox affiliate in our market, and also involved in a lot of other things, uh, real estate at American Tobacco, owns a Durham Bulls baseball team. Uh, yeah, so I've been, been in the, these sort of dual roles for, for a little bit of time. I was the first employee at AU back in 2012. So uh, one thing that listeners might be interested in is I've been in a startup ecosystem in Durham in the Triangle for a little over a decade. I was at the Durham Chamber before that, passionate about the way that entrepreneurship can influence um, the creation of wealth in a city and also the role that entrepreneurs can play in a city in terms of its trajectory 
so that's sort of by day. In addition to, to that, and, and definitely more importantly, I'm a married to a woman I met in college. Uh, so we've been together for quite a while. We're celebrating our 13th anniversary right now. Congrats. And then, thanks. Yeah. And then have three young girls. So I've got a first grader, one who will go into kindergarten next year, and then I've got an almost two-year-old. So and in terms of a sort of random fact relating to them, I delivered one of them which was not designed. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, like, are you? Yeah. Uh, first daughter, we, my wife had a long labor. She's amazing. She soldiered through it. When we had our second, like, you know, we're going to, our doctor was like, just stay home, you know, when the labor pains start and come in when you're, when you're X number of minutes apart, like they tell everybody. And so we did that. We were just starting to get to the point where the contractions were getting close enough together. We were like, I was like, okay, I'm going to go get the car. You know, let's, you know, you, you like sort of get ready and we'll, we'll roll. And um, she stood up and was like, nope, uh, this is starting. And so literally two minutes later, we're holding our, our middle daughter, Vivian in our bathroom at our house. So it was a wild and crazy, like, transition but if you told if you asked my wife would she do it again she'd say yeah in a heartbeat because you get this crazy story that i'm now sharing with uh, the world <laughs> and uh and baby was healthy mom was well so uh all was good oh that is phenomenal and thanks for sharing that that is definitely i was going to say what what don't we know about you from linkedin and you answered it right yep. that, that that you've had a successful uh delivery experience that's awesome as we look at what's going on in and let's then narrow it down to startups. Talk a little bit about what you're seeing uh, from an AU perspective about some of the, how some of the startups are dealing with, right, this new environment, right? Yeah. Whether it be pandemic, whether it be the, the recession that we're hitting and some of the things that, that you're seeing. I've seen, a, I've seen a mix of things from our teams. I've seen, I would say the vast majority hold their own. Uh, I think one of the things about our region is that few are reliant heavily reliant on venture capital. They had to have a real business model going into the pandemic. So customers, paying customers, revenue, and seen maybe a bit of that diminish. But I'd say on the whole, most are, are doing fine. Some who were concerned in Q2 have had a great Q3. So, I, you know, it's not all rosy. I know um, some have had to let go some staff, trim expenses, but I'd say generally most are, are doing okay. And I think we're fortunate to be a part of a region that I think has some economic diversity in terms of the industry. We're not heavy hospitality uh, or retail, for instance, that has been hit more so than others. But I think generally the, the sentiment I've gotten from most of the teams is that they're doing okay. You know, th things aren't great. They're not terrible, but, but they're okay going into 2021. The trick ahead of us is going to be you know, how long are we in this sort of period and, and what decisions do founders need to make when this becomes, you know, month 12, month 18, month 24. And so, you know, figuring out your cash flow, your burn rate, those kinds of things are really key and, and all of them are working on those things. No, that's phenomenal. I appreciate the perspective there. I want to zoom out a little bit. And when we think about the startup ecosystem in North Carolina, and then we think about AU, what are some of the reasons that organizations get involved with American Underground and what are some of the reasons that they stay? Can you speak to that for a little bit? 
Yeah, that's a great question. It's interesting, Donald, because on a call with a founder who just joined AU right before you and I got on, and um, and I was talking to him a little bit about that. And what I hear pretty consistently is that that people both join and stay for the community. That you know, a lot of people called me and said, "Hey, how's AU doing? You know, y'all are in commercial real estate. People aren't coming into the office as much. How are things looking?" And, you know, we have taken some lumps uh, over the last four or five months. You and I have caught up a bit about that. But we've also seen over the last few months, we've seen 15 new companies join the AU. And what I hear consistently is many of them are saying, hey, I've heard about the community of entrepreneurs who are there that they want to help each other. And that, I think, is a testament to the founders. I think it's a testament to the kind of mentality in Durham. And you look across the history of the city, you've had a lot of successful businesses you know, that are part of the, the city of Durham. And I think a great number of them have had this kind of mindset of like, I want to build a successful company. I also want to build a successful city. You don't see that everywhere, right? Like you spend time in the Bay, just like I do. You don't, you don't necessarily get that conversation rolling when you're a you know, big kind of uh, co-working space out there in the same way that you would here. And so I think, you know, when you look across the state and you look into a place like Durham, that's one of the consistent threads that I, that I hear. The other is AU has had a long standing focus on uh, diverse founders, black, Latinx, and female founders to be explicit about that. So a lot of that has been driven by actually the, the work of Jim Johnson over Keenan Flagler, who's a professor of mine when I was in graduate school, focused on, on leadership and diverse leadership within companies. And so we've, we, said in 2015 that we wanted to build our country's most diverse technology hub, which was an aspirational and bold goal, but it was a clear North star. And you're a CEO, you know, the power of that when you give that to a a team and say, how do we go do this? It's clear. It's, it's a stretch. It's something that's going to force everybody to get an oar in the water. And over the last five years, we've seen our teams grow to where 50% of them are now led by a female founder or founder of color. Uh, which is highest in the country and something that we're proud of. But at, at the same time, I, you know, fully acknowledge like we've got a long way to go. And just because you've got diverse leadership in some of these companies doesn't mean that it's all, it's all rosy or that the work's sure. done. There's a lot of work ahead of us that we're going to continue to, to work on. But I think that's the other thing that stands out when people look kind of at the North Carolina ecosystem and at AU maybe in particular is that we've set a pretty clear objective and, and we've been unapologetic about that that's who we are. And, and for the listeners, I'm a, I'm a white guy. So, you know, it's a little bit odd to perhaps have a white guy saying this, but I think until we're honest about the history of this country and until white people in particular are honest about that and, and understand the power that entrepreneurship has to change systems and change wealth, uh, we're never really going to get all the way in on this. And so that's where I feel like AU has such a powerful opportunity ahead of it. No, Adam, I appreciate the entire spectrum of your comment. And then you, you landed the plane on it pretty powerfully in terms of what we can do to move the needle, mm-hmm. right? As I talk to a lot of executives now with what we're doing with the diversity movement and creating some tools for leaders to really lean into diversity, equity, inclusion, people are not shying away from it as much anymore, mm-hmm. as much as there's like, how do I participate? Where can I give? How can right. I make a difference? And the AU with that momentum that you guys developed starting five years ago, right? you now have some, I don't want to say best practices, 
you have some perspectives yeah. of what has worked and what hasn't worked. You've got right. some real use cases and some amazing success stories, yeah. right? which, is, which is super powerful. And then investors can lean into that, that moment. Mm-hmm. Right? Employees that would like to work at companies with diverse founders can seek you all out and lean into that moment. Right. And I think that is something that's important as we move a lot of these conversations forward, uh, that we can put our hand to plow in a proactive way. Right. There's a lot of discussion now. There's a lot of folks that, that want to move those discussions to some type of systemic action. And yeah. you all are a way to do that. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And you've, you, for those who are listening, have played a big role in that. So we launched a program with Google called the Black Founder Exchange that brings 10 to 12 founders to Durham every, week, every year for a week-long intensive. It's focused on fundraising. It's been an incredible program. It, you know, when I am not at AU anymore, that'll be a program that I'm just, you know, unendingly proud of. And, and Donald, you played a key role in that as a strong mentor for a lot of these teams to be able to give them advice and counsel about, you know, anything and everything that CEOs deal with. And I think that the learnings that we've gotten from that program and starting to think now, like, what would it look like to scale that to think about how we grow support for companies across the state, more companies in Durham, young people in Durham, I think is really interesting. I think you, you said, you know, this, this observation about sort of discussion to action. And I think one of the things that's been interesting for me is to see, you know, we're all on a continuum. We talk about race and systemic racism. Um, you're never really arriving at, at some sort of endpoint where you feel like you've, you've, you know, done, right. done the work and yeah, grasped it all. Um, and, and people are at different spots along, along the way. And I think what I'm seeing is, you know, some of our, companies, some of our, the employees who are part of AU companies who are starting early in that, right? Like they're taking the REI training maybe for the first time, but they're, they're starting to lean in and they're asking good questions and asking what, what do I need to be doing right now? What are the things, where's my privilege showing up in this that I maybe wasn't aware of? Did I, did I even know that I was privileged? You know, those kinds of things all the way up to founders who are, who have done some of that work and are saying, Hey, in addition to what I'm already doing within my company, I want to be thinking about what I do outside the four walls of AU. How are we moving in the city? Where where are our dollars going? Who are we investing in? Those kinds of things. That's really neat to see that that sort of like move afoot. And and you've been a big part of that. So appreciate having leaders like you in the city who say, "Hey, you know, I'm building a successful business, and I want to make sure that." what I'm doing with that business is impacting other CEOs and how they're thinking about their work. Yeah, I appreciate that. One of the things I'll extend on is you talk about the construct of privilege. And one of the things I'll weigh in on a little bit as we, as we talk and, and jam this out a little bit, when you say the term white privilege, that pulls people back, mm-hmm. right? Typically our firm and, and me in particular, we talk about privilege. I'm an African-American male. I have two amazing parents, grew up in uh, kind of the lower socioeconomic realm. But as I was moving into later elementary high school, uh, middle school, excuse me, high school, my parents were more in the middle class. Hmm. I went to very, very good schools. And so I've experienced privilege. I've experienced a little bit of both, mm-hmm. right, in that economic standpoint. And so when I share my perspective with people and we just start talking about privilege, not in a way to judge each other, 
Right. What is our responsibility to use our privilege to yes. now help others achieve? Now we can have an equitable conversation about moving forward. I found when we lead with white privilege, you need right. to understand that. I don't get a lot. I don't get as much buy-in, right? Like it's, it's, it's a the warm fuzzies thing. aren't there. Yeah, the warm fuzzies aren't there. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that, that Jacqueline Ferguson has done with the diversity movement and, and I mentioned this for the AU, and we really want to do mm-hmm. this if you guys are open to it, right? Yes. As our, our gift to you guys is we've been running privilege uh, walks and doing virtual privilege walks. And we did one for the North Carolina Chamber, and we had close to 300 people there. The ratings were 4.92 out of 5. Really enjoyed it because they got to experience the differentiation from their background and others real time. Right. And it allowed it to break down some walls so we could have some more powerful conversations on race and equity and growing things together. Yeah. I um, just two quick thoughts on that. One, I uh, we've started a book club at AU that is around the book white fragility. And so we had our, we kicked that off this morning. And one of the, one of the questions we're, we're kind of wrestling with is sort of our emotional reaction when we're reading the book. And something that one of the participants in the, in the group said that I thought was really helpful was she said, you know, one of the things I think we all need to do when we encounter discomfort is ask more questions, be curious in that moment. Like it's easy, I think, in that discomfort to sort of pull back, get your arms crossed, you know, withdraw maybe in some cases, as opposed to like, how do I lean forward and ask a better question? How do I approach this with some more curiosity? I think that's, that to me this morning was such a powerful mm-hmm. statement and, and thought that yeah, I mentioned it, the continuum, right? Like she just dropped another thing in on my continuum where I'm like, wow, that's a, that's powerful. That's helpful for me to grab and think about as I continue to move through and think about race and systems of race. I think, you know, the other thing is you talked about getting together and learning and digging into some reading together one of the things that for the first little bit of, of COVID and, and stay at home and working from home, you know, I have a little introvert nature to me. So it was cool. Like it yeah. was, it was, it was okay. <laughs> right. Six months in, you realize how interconnected, mm. how much energy we gain from other positive people. Right. That's so into our lives. And we've got to figure out new and creative ways to deal with that. So it pivots me to the next kind of topic. Talk to me a little bit about, some of the organizations you're working with talking to they're having to pivot their businesses for the long term a little bit and really think about how long is the new paradigm of work in office at home going to last and maybe what are some examples that you're seeing that are that are doing it right yeah um a couple of a couple of thoughts i've seen in terms of like how to do the how do i balance the work from home going into the office thing what i'm seeing some au teams do is sort of an a team b team So, you know, let's say hypothetical, I've got a team of 10 people, I might find that I can break them in half, make sure I have redundancy, right? So somebody on my A team, I can't have, I can't have two people coming in on the same day who do the same thing. Cause if they both were to, you know, be exposed or something, then I've got a big problem. So the A team, B team thing, I think has made a lot of sense and works well because of what you said, the energy lift of like being in the office, even with half your team, psychologically is powerful. It's powerful to be able to bounce ideas off of each other in real time. And so I'm seeing some people taking advantage of like creating some flexibility around that. I think on the business model side, 
I've seen, you know, a couple of different things. One, some of our companies that are in kind of AR, VR are thinking differently about what the sales cycle looks like. One, it's longer, right? It's taking more time to get somebody all the way through from initial pitch to signing the deal. But two, you know, how do they, how do they use this product when people are, are more, you know, more at home or, or less together, let's say, to get it in their hands and just say, you know what, I'm going to mail this to you. You don't owe me anything. I just want you to put the headset on, see what we can do that allows people to like play with the product a little bit that isn't getting on a plane and flying to make the sales pitch. It's not me sitting in your conference room, you know, trying to bang on the table. It's just ways to kind of get, get stuff in people's hands when, you know, they might have a little more downtime or they're at home and they're willing to like kind of play with something and have this sort of experience. That's been an interesting thing to hear people, you know, sort of pivoting toward. And I'm going to be curious to see where that goes. You know, is that something that sticks post COVID where people say, Hey, the, our sales process is completely re-engineered. The days of like going and giving the formal corporate pitch in the boardroom are done. We're figuring out how do we get directly into the decision maker's hands, our product and see what she says, see how she reacts to it. Right? Like what's her, will she pick up the phone and call us after that, after we've emailed her a few times, but now she's touched it. She's put the headset on, she's seen what we can do. And now all of a sudden we got a different conversation. Oh, that's powerful. One of the things that I'm seeing in that same vein, you talked about sales process and I'll lean into that and talk about the sales temperament. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's really difficult to do in a tough economy is have a hardcore close mentality as a salesperson. Yeah. Right. Because the, the emotional resistance to that kind of communication is really high. Right. And one of the things that we're seeing that's working, whether it's our digital firm, Walk West, or the diversity movement, is we've made a concerted effort to be teachers mm. and share information and knowledge. We are doing a lot of, on the diversity movement, a lot of free collateral, a lot of free webinars, yep. a lot of information. If you've got a small business, low budget, small budget, but you want to lean into DEI, here's some starter material that can get you started. Here's a webinar that can get you there. And one of the things that's helping that work is twofold. One, we're getting to know more people at scale, even right. if they can't turn the corner right now, sure. right? We're planting seed for, for the future. Yep. The second thing is we're becoming better communicators in this moment now because we're answering a lot more questions. Hmm. So we're actually getting smarter with what our market needs because it really is tough out there from a business development standpoint to define who that target customer is that can move now. Sure. There's, because that's not based on size. That's not based on product market fit. Yeah, There's good point. so many different temperaments in a company now, whether they're able to spend money a little right. bit, zero, X, Y, Z. And so anyway, that's some of the things that we're thinking about. We're doing more in terms of thought leadership and things of that nature. And so I would encourage as you know, your startups are looking at how to pivot their business, mm-hmm. it's a simple thing that they can do is up the education. Huh be a value driver for decision makers for companies and then for those clients that can spend money they're going to value what you gave right right at the time and then you can rise above the crowd a little bit and love that in real time that that we're really working on that's super helpful thank you for sharing that i think that's that is something i'll take back to the teams and share we do a a, every thursday at two o'clock we do a founder stand-up so everybody jumps on we're all on google meet 
And those are such fun conversations because they're real, right? Like half the time it's like, man, I had to let somebody go or I'm having a hard time filling this role and I'm trying to hire for it or, or I'm just down. Like, I mean, honestly, like I'm with you. I'm a little bit more, I'm a, a, the way I describe it is I'm an introvert who likes people. Like I enjoy people, but I need, I need a little like me time. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You and I, you and I will like have this great hour together. And then we're like, all right, I need to go sit on the couch for a couple minutes. (laughs) Uh, So where I was going with that is like, I think, you know, everybody's sort of struggling in, in different, in different ways right now. And I think one of the things that we all need, you know, assuming we can't be together in person is like, how do we still connect with the people that we've, who we've built relationship with. And that I think is one of the key things about work from home that I'm going to be curious to watch, right? Like, can, can you continue to drive new introductions, new business with people you've never spent time with when it's entirely online? Like one of my hypotheses with the work from home thing and why it went well in the early going is that in addition to everybody being freaked out, moving home and being worried about their jobs, everybody's like burning the candle at both ends to show their boss they could, they could do it. Yes, sir. What, what the other thing that I think happened is we all had built all this social capital with each other, right? Like I knew you, we had built relationship over years. So to pick up the phone and say, Hey, Donald, I'm thinking about this. I know you work in this space. Could you help me with it? Wasn't too big a leap. right? Right. But if I don't know you and we don't have any sort of like background, what does that look like? And so the longer this goes on, I'm going to be curious to watch that. Are we in a position where it's, it's actually gets harder for people the longer we're out of the office, the longer we're in our houses to like open up those new channels and, and new doors. And that's, that I think intersects with your point about you've got to be out there and being a thought leader. You've got to be in front of people building those relationships because people just aren't going to take the cold call. That's exactly right. And you know, I don't, I don't want to give away too many secrets, but you know, we're amongst friends. You just mentioned that people aren't taking the cold call, but they'll still take a meeting from a powerful referral. Right. It, right. So, so back to your point, the referral aspect of your network, the partnership network of your, uh, of your expertise is going to be even more important when it is uncertain how people are going to take to building those new relationships. If you think about, you know, most companies, they at least have some kind of event strategy, right? Right. Like even if it's one conference a year, right? Some companies got there, there's something that you go to that you're going to the mixers, you're going to the cocktail parties and those things have dramatically been altered uh, in a, in a, in a big way. And so no, I, I agree with you in, in terms of a gap. Well, let me throw something out there that we're experimenting with that has been interesting. So we, at the American Underground, so much of what, what I think has been part of our secret sauce has been building that community. And, and a lot of that has been driven by what you just said, the sort of like, you know, happy hour, the like 20 person event, you know, you come in and say, hey, I'm going to do a workshop. Let's get 20 founders in the room. That's harder to do now. We can do it online and we can do those kinds of things. But the community building aspect is, is a little trickier. And, and so what we launched about two months ago is a series called the tiny happy hour. So this is kind of the, we're riffing on the tiny desk thing, but we kept hearing from our CEOs is, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm hanging out in my backyard with a couple of friends already. Right. We're like getting a drink, sitting on the back porch talking, you know, I miss that. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, I'm doing the same thing. What's stopping me from saying, Hey, Donald, let's you and I sit out at the AU. We've got a rooftop patio. We're in the open air. 
let's get three other CEOs from AU together and let's just sit out. We'll social distance. AU will provide a couple drinks and we're just going to talk. And Donald, these things blew up. Like we piloted it with a small group. I sent them a note afterwards and I was like, what do you think? You know, and they were all like one love being back in the space. They worked from the office for the day. So they got a bunch of stuff done and then they get on the rooftop and it's like, Oh, like I'm, I remember you, you know, me, like, you know, the struggles. So like they all just let the hair down and it was like, here's what's going well. Here's what sucks. Here's where I need help. And you just can't recreate that online. Like there is an aspect to this. We're just people, right? Like we need to see each other. We need to like emote. We need to talk to each other. And when you do that, my hypothesis here is like, we're going to unlock some, some things that I think will be beneficial for everybody. So we've scaled those up and I got 60 people participating in these. We're rotating them. And it's been a great way as we welcome, welcome new members into the AU. We can fold them into something pretty quickly. That is uh that's powerful. And that's, that's back to what we were talking about earlier is what are ways that we pivot? What are the ways that right. we create innovation to get those things that, that, that yeah. we all need? And I want to cycle back to one of the things that you said earlier when we were talking about people just being, having the space to say, hey, things aren't going well. I'm having a tough time. And uh, that the mental health of, uh, of leaders, of their teams is being stretched like never before. Like I, I am very blessed. I get to talk to a lot of really neat, successful people and they're struggling just like everybody else. (laughs) Like, I mean, and it is, and it's, and it's real and it's, um, and and it is really energizing, uplifting to be able to talk to folks in the no judgment zone. So I know Mm -hmm. that what you're doing with those many happy hours is going to go a long way, both from a business standpoint but just from some people to be able to just get some things out yeah, and, um, and have somebody just say, even if it's a social distance pat on the back, just yeah. like, you know, yep. I got you. Right. I know what you're feeling. Totally. totally. Yeah. I think the gift, if there's been a gift of COVID, it's been that people are honest, more honest, I think with each other, like, you know, the, the masks are off, the gloves are down you know, everybody's struggling at at different, in different ways and at different levels. It's not all the same, but there is a common struggle. And I think that has let more people come into these conversations, honestly. And, And I didn't necessarily see that a few years ago, honestly, like, you know, we all are prone to walk into the conversation, like, everything's good. You know, like (laughs) I got my stuff together, you know, and, and, and we all know that's bull, but that's how we show up. And now people are showing up and it's like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) Like, you know, literally while I'm on this session with you, I'm muting here and there because I got a, you know, almost two year old that my wife is juggling who's crying. And it's like, you know, this is life. This is life. Yeah. And well, and I, I appreciate you and family for giving us these moments, but that's right. Yeah. And, and I was, you know, one of the things that does make me smile, I do, I do enjoy when I'm talking to somebody business wise and their kids will just run through the screen yep. or their kids will just jump in the lap. Right. Yeah. It, it, it has also created just a realness right. of who we are more than the business facade. Yeah. Because that home setting, things are just going to run together. Totally. Right. Like there, there's, you know, there's, there's things that are going to run, run together. Let me ask this as we continue our our time together, but start to crescendo. Let's now look outside of business, outside of AU. Let's look at our country. Mm -hmm. Right. And the discourse is not 
amazingly positive. Right. Right. We're in an environment where it's us versus them, right? Mm-hmm. Like on everything, right? Mm-hmm. What are you, what do you, how does that make you feel? What do you think we as leaders can do about that? Yeah. Right. And I'm not talking about a particular issue, but I'm talking about the way we treat each other in that public dialogue is not what we would teach our kids. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a, I feel tired from it. Like I, I think the, the thing that's hard in that, in the environment that we're in right now is that we, it feels like every time something happens, I'm being super general here by design. It feels like everybody goes to their corners and yells and gripes about each other and never the two shall meet. And so we end up in this position where it's, it's what you said, where it's us against them. And I think it's tiring to get the bad news over and over again, to see things that are, you know, on the spectrum from disappointing to like terrifying and incredibly sad. And then on top of that, to then get this new layer of like discourse that is at times awful that just wears you down. It feels like, how do I, the question I have often in that is like, well, what do I, what can I do? Like, what's the sort of step to take here? And, you know, to, to like call out a particular topic, I'm going to talk about policing in this country right now, obviously with Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, sadly, many, many more names. What it's caused me to do is to the conversation we were just having about being honest. I've just been talking with my team pretty continually, like trying to create space for like, how's everybody doing? You know, come, how are you showing up today in light of what happened over the weekend, in light of what happened a month ago, two months ago, whatever it is. And I'm seeing that same thing happen in some of the conversations I'm in with the AU community where we're trying to encourage people to show up and just be honest about where we are. And, and what's key in that is to create a space where people can just talk openly and not, we've got people on different sides of, of the issue, right? Like it's not, not everybody's saying the same thing, but to create a sort of sacred space where people can at least be honest. And then from there we can then start talking about how we treat each other, but at least like give space for people to just say, this is how I'm feeling. This is how I'm showing up and trying to you know, prevent everybody from jumping straight from that into solution or straight from that into, I know what, you know, you're saying that, but have you thought about this? Like, just stop, just listen, just let, let somebody have their feeling, let them share their perspective. And then somebody else will share their perspective. And we're just going to sit with that. And I think as high achieving people who are so much a part of the triangle, that's hard, right? Like you want to jump straight into solution. And I think one of the most helpful things as a white person that I've been reflecting on is like, there's a really important step before action, which is just listening and reflecting and just letting, letting myself reflect on and hear what a black person is, what their experience has been with around policing, uh, what their experience is right now in this country and just listening, you know, and starting there, that, that, formulates a different set of thoughts in my head about what action looks like when I'm listening. That's powerful. And I I agree with you, right? It's difficult to transition from that solution, problem solver, fix the problem mindset to a more empathetic version of the leadership persona that you need. And I, I, you know, know, I've gone through, I'm a certified diversity executive and a bit through my training and all that. 
I have to work on that all the time because some of these questions are not answerable. Mm-hmm. And some of them, if there are answers, they're multi-generational. Right. So we have a minute to slow down and listen. Right. Because they're, they're, they're not going to be solved. We're not going to bring someone from one perspective to yeah. another, right, in a 25-minute pap rally, right, yes. no matter how good the speaker is. Great point. Right? And um, so I really I appreciate the way that you're, you're thinking about it and the way that, that you share it. And from my perspective, you know, part of my responsibility with the things I've experienced, the things I've learned, and the, the privilege that I've had is to take that time with leaders that I can be a very private conversation. Mm-hmm. They can say things about what they just don't understand. Yeah. That, that they can just speak openly honest and they, they know from our experience and my persona, I'm not an overly judgmental person. Right. I, I just, I just like people that'll meet me, not even halfway. Yeah. As long as we, as long as we can have a conversation yeah. where you start and where I start doesn't make a big difference to me. Yeah. Right. And, and just, and just talk and create mm-hmm. that, that space. And what I've found is that what's neat is that when working with people of impact and they can move a little bit, right. You're talking about someone that represents thousands and thousands of people right. or, or a startup leader will represent right. thousands of people in the future. Right. Right. And, and so making that leadership impact, I think is really, really important. So Adam, as we wind down our, our time together, what would you like to share that we haven't covered, right? About what you're doing, organizations you're working with, uh, something that's going on at the AU. I wanna just give you that space and, and, and freedom. Yeah, thank you. Well, it's been great to catch up. There, there are a couple of things I was gonna mention. One is Tim Scales on our team really led the charge on this, but we created a program right around April, May as we we're starting to see layoffs from COVID for people who are laid off due to COVID to start their company, right? Like what, what does it look like if you've been we had a participant in the program who ran Morgan Imports, which is a beloved retailer in downtown Durham. Uh, you know, unfortunately got let go and he had an idea for some apparel. Cool idea. Um, and so we created a simple application process, a free program for people to come through and participate in this. And we just graduated that cohort. It's been really neat to see them bond. We just did a, you know, just like I talked about an outdoor coffee on the rooftop Wednesday morning to just, you know, celebrate the accomplishments of these um, five new founders. One of the things that I love in difficult times is, you know, people pivot, they find new things. They, you know, they might've got lost their job, but they say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go start something. And that, that energy that I'm seeing, from so many different people who are showing up saying, I've got an idea has, has given me some new life with AU. Like I'm seeing people I've not met before people who are longtime Durhamites in some cases, the guy I just spent time with, he grew up in Durham. He played football at Riverside. He has this great career and he came back and he's like, I want this company. I wanted to do it in Durham. And I'm like, wow, come on, man. Like, let's go. And so, you know, seeing that kind of energy of people coming in, in the middle of a global pandemic who are just like, I want to build this. I want to be a part of a community of people who are building to me is really special. So that's, that's, that's one thing that I'm feeling a little bit more now than I, I I would say maybe two, three months ago is a sense of building like let's, okay, we're, we're in the pandemic. 
we're settled into this as reality. What does it mean to start building now? And yeah, I appreciate the pieces you put together for TechWire because I think you've been saying that like, this is tough. This is hard. Take, take an assessment of what's going on around you, but don't be so paralyzed by that, that you forget to start thinking about what's next. And that's right. I think that's some of what we're starting to feel and see and, and, and seeing in the entrepreneurs around, around us, which is super cool. That is awesome. My friend, I am glad that we reconnected. Likewise. Had, uh, the conversation we had last week was just, it was fun. It was energizing. We found some new problems to work on. That's right. I love that, right? Um, it, back to our action orientation. And then this conversation just reminded me of that quiet, thoughtful strength that you possess as a leader. And, uh, and I'm really proud of you. And I just want to share like person to person. I wish we were there. Yeah. Elbow or whatever. <laughs> but you know, I know there's a lot of long nights and working with people and being their courage, being their strength as they're pushing through and to do that with that amazing attitude and the skills you have. Bravo. Yeah. Thank you. I question my drive. I tell myself I'm worth it. No one's perfect. I gotta try. I'm working at my This podcast is edited and produced by Earphones. If you're looking for more information on how full service podcast production can amplify your voice, build your community, visit earfluence.com. Thank you for listening and we'll see you soon on the Donald Thompson podcast.